Hello, podcast people. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast. And of course, this week is an Indie Talk week, but I do have a little bit of a surprise for you. My good buddy and co-founder Nick Bugs is a little bit under the weather and was not able to join me on this conversation. However, we do have friend of the podcast and friend of me and friend of Nick, Miss Sandrine Matthews here to fill in on this episode and co-host with me. And we had a blast. We talked about what it takes and what are the sort of minimum requirements to get into the WGA and the PGA respectively. We talked about how to spot a huckster and a ne'er-do-well when you're going out to get investment dollars as a filmmaker. And we talked about how deep fakes might um, negatively and potentially positively affect the future of the film business. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode of Indie Talk. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Talk, which is our bi-weekly conversation that typically me and my good buddy and business partner, co-founder Nick Bugs have together. But today I have some unfortunate news, but fortunate news. The unfortunate news is that Nick is sick and cannot do Indie Talk this week. So we are going to wish him well, hope that it gets better soon. Uh, and uh, gets back on here because I'm sure his presence will be missed. But to fill in for him today, and quite adequately, I might uh, add, we have friend of the podcast and friend of me, Sandrine Matthews. Sandrine, say hello. Hello. (laughs) Co-hosting Indie Talk. Look at this. How did this happen? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's so exciting. I was actually, when I was listening to it uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm like, man, why didn't they have me do that? Because I'd much rather talk about the industry than talk about myself. You know what? That's true. And it, it was crazy how this all came about, too, because uh, I was literally scrambling because the sickness isn't old. Like, he wasn't sick yesterday. Mm. Um, yeah. And he's not really sick. Like, he had, he's got food poisoning. Right. right he, yeah. He which is some, pretty sudden. Right. He ate some bad sushi. Mm. And, and then you text me and I was like, that is like an omen. Cause I actually wasn't going to ask. I was just going to get on tomorrow and say like two minutes worth of stuff, make an excuse why we didn't have an indie talk this week. And then I was like, no, no, no. The universe just sent you the person to co-host this. Cause I was thinking about who could co-host, who could co-host, you know, what can I do? Should I run the interview we have early? And um, I was like, no, no, we'll just get on and, make an excuse, but then you text and I was like, all she can say is no. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say that the universe gave Nick food poisoning, but I am very happy to do this. 
<laughs> no, the universe didn't give Nick food poisoning. Some dirty knife at a Chinese restaurant or whatever did. Uh, no, not Chinese. Uh, Japanese, right? Japanese yes. sushi. Sorry. Generally, um, yeah. Thank you. I mean, uh, we're in Nashville, so it could be anything. It could be. It, it could be, it could be I have so much sushi in California because I'm like, oh, I'm going back to Tennessee. Although apparently we have some of the best sushi um, because everything that's imported flies into Louisville. Um, and they're like right next door. So like we technically should have really fresh sushi because it all flies within like two hours from here. Um, so, but we may just not have good people making it. Why Louisville? That's interesting. I don't know. It's like a big FedEx hub or something. So yeah, they get uh, all, they, they get all of the, the, um, international shipments first and it goes to Louisville and then it disperses to the country from there. You would think you would go to FedEx's home in Memphis. You would think, I don't know, that's what just what some person told me when I went out there for their film festival. And I'm like, oh, okay, because I was trying to figure out what to eat that wasn't barbecue. And they said sushi, and I gave them a weird look. They're like, no, trust me. And I didn't, but I now share that information. Do you trust everything people tell you? Um, <laughs> I, don't, answer, don't answer that. I'm kidding. I'm just okay. giving, I'm giving you shit. <laughs> you, you know what it is? It is... Um, Cause I had another friend that got food poisoning from sushi really recently. And I, th- I think it's not necessarily, um, the fish it's the preparation. Yeah. It's, it's how many times did you, did you use that knife? And then how many different types of foods did you use the same knife, you know, with, right. Mm-hmm. So there's all this cross contamination, like how long did the fish sit there? And then you put another piece of, and then did you put raw meat down on top of, or chicken on top of the fish? And it just gets crazy. I have food sensitivities. And so I always have to tell people, which is the other good thing about being in California. Cause like they totally get it. But like whenever I'm here and I ask people to like change their gloves or like be careful when they cut stuff, they just stare at me. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The the rule of thumb is, well, so I, I went to, when I, when I go to LA, I get really good sushi also. And like, that's when I'll eat it. But in general, um, there are certain foods that you just know you're going to be okay eating. And I try my best to stick to those. The, the most dangerous food I eat is a salad because you mm. have no clue. Yeah. None. You got, you got a spinach salad. You are rolling the dice. The thing I, but I, you know, you write about superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. I also might be a superhero. Mm. You know how there's an origin story that every superhero has in a movie? Like something has, they got electrocuted or uh, bitten by a spider or their DNA was cross contaminated with something else. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Here's what happened to me. When I was three years old, I picked up some lamp oil. Do you know what lamp oil is? Uh, I would assume that it's oil that goes into a lamp, but um, nobody does that anymore. Right. Like that's, no. old, that's old school shit. Well, my, yeah. my folks had lamp oil and they had a lamp that used it and we would light a wick and it was that whole thing. Well, I thought it was a drink. Oh so, no. So I drank all of the lamp oil and came like a minute in the emergency room away from dying. Did right. you like chug it? Because like if you sipped on it, I would assume that that would not be delicious. I I think I chugged it and then realized it was a big problem. Mm. Um. Anyway, I almost died, but yeah. as a result, I came out with an iron belly. 
Nothing. I'm impervious to to <laughs> watch me get food poisoning next week while I'm talking shit about this. I <laughs> no, but I I don't think I don't have those kind of food sensitivities that people have. Like when people tell me, "Oh, I can't eat that," I'm like, "What?" And then I realize most people have some sort of sensitivity to like dairy or peanuts or shellfish or things like that. I don't I don't have any of that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, just put it in front of me. I'll eat it. You could have like your own show, like a man versus food type show. <laughs> I couldn't because I'm pescatarian and I'm sensitive to like hormones and preservatives. So I could have a clean eating type show. That's about it. I used to be fascinated with it. I used to follow people like Adam Richman who did those shows. I used to like look at the te- training technique of like a Joey Chestnut or a Kobayashi and just recently, for whatever reason, like in the last five years, I can't watch it. Like it actually makes me violently nauseous. Like, like the how quickly they're eating and the amount they're yeah. eating. And I just think about like, like it's crazy what people will do for fame, right? Yeah. Like, there's no reason to eat that much. Like, you you know you're killing yourself. Like Adam Richman has to know that he like he's killing himself, right? Like. Like, why are you eating that much hamburger? Yeah. Quickly. Like your body's just not right. designed to gorge and you're just competing against a clock. So, so there's no <laughs> way out of it. It's like, um, it's like you're living like Belushi in an animal house for the like entirety of your life. Right. Yeah. It's not good. No. Anyway, you mentioned you're out in LA. What, what's going on in LA? Uh, just getting away for a bit. Um, catching up with some people, having a couple conversations about writing and life, but also just uh, getting back into the the creative groove. Uh, I took a couple of months off after last summer, uh, just because I was a little bit overwhelmed and trying to get back into writing in Nashville. Like I would do a little bit, but not a lot. So it was kind of nice to be someplace where I had like no other responsibilities. And so I just thought about writing all day. Um, which I guess was good and bad because then it's, it was a very solitary type thing. I mean, like I had a lot of friends out there and, and spent time with people, but like on the days that were just writing days, it was just being by myself and I had nothing else to distract me. So I had to kind of stay in that. Um, which I said is both good and not so good sometimes for mental health, but I went to the yeah. beach a lot. I went to Disneyland a lot and just kind of relaxed. Yeah. I'm wondering like, do you have, do you just, what, what's your technique? I mean, do you rent a hotel and then stay in the hotel room and write? Um, do you stay at a friend's house? And then if so, how do you nicely and politely let them know, hey, I don't want to be disturbed right now, I'm working? Uh, I was really fortunate in that the first week and a half that I was there, I I had a friend who has like a guest house that someone lives in and that person was going away. So I just cat sat for her. So I didn't really see my friend all that much. Cause like it wasn't even connected to her house and there was like a private entrance. And then, um, when I left there, I had another friend that lives in North Hollywood who had just moved out there recently. Um, and he had a spare bedroom. So I stayed there and like, we would talk whenever I was passing, but most of the time I was either in the room. I didn't do a lot of writing in the room though. It was mostly like watching, um, Amazon and or Netflix or whatever it was that I was watching at the time for like research purposes. I love that I have a job that I can research by just binge watching shows. Um, <laughs> and usually I would just go out to like a coffee shop or 
Um, I would go to like a restaurant or a bar and just sit there and have really cheap happy hour food and, and write. Uh, so I spent a lot of money. I never actually made it to um, the Writers Guild Foundation. Like they have a library that you can sit and write. Um, right. I was waiting yeah. for our friend Priscilla to come out because we were going to go. I knew she wanted to spend a lot of time there, and then she didn't make it out there. And I just um, I spent a lot of time in West Hollywood, but it was usually at odd hours seeing other people. So I never actually got to that. Are you a member of the guild? Uh, I am not. I have not written anything that has been produced by anyone that is a signatory. Yeah. Got it. Got it. How many, what is the, is it 24 credits? Like what is the, the limit that you need to, to, I guess, get into the guild? I don't know. I didn't think it was credits. I thought that it was entirely, um, I mean, it might be cause I think a feature is considered 24 credits. So I don't know exactly how it works for television. Um, and since most of what I write is episodic, like I've, I've thought about both. I have a few ideas that, um, playing around with being either a series or a feature and really it'll just depend on which friend likes it the most and wants to produce it. Um, cause I have some friends that do both. I feel I'm especially talking with other people who are like out there hustling and trying to get into meetings and stuff. Like I feel very fortunate to have a network of people that, that do things or can point me to people that do things. So I'm just like, Oh no, what am I going to do? Am I going to write a feature? I'm going to write a television show. Like it's not that easy. I've still been talking to people for a really long time and, and have to work that up. But I do feel further along than other people who have worked way harder than I have. Um, and so I recognize that, that thing, but, um, yeah, as far as like, if I were to sell like a spec pilot or something and it got picked up, I'm not entirely sure if that just selling the pilot would be, will qualify me to get into the guild or if I would have to write more episodes. But I do, I do know like one feature um, would allow you to be able to do that if it's produced by a company that's signatory. Um, Got it. That's what it is. Okay. I might, and I might be thinking about like what you need to be in the, producers guild yeah it's probably the producers guild because the credit thing is definitely a producers guild thing and actually like i might have been thinking about that too when i was talking about like a feature is definitely 24 because i know a feature um will get you into that for television it is um it yeah it's a certain number of episodes for shorts i think you need to have five so like anytime i produce a short i've tried to put it on amazon because it's a um, it's an SVOD. And so that counts. And so like if I had five shorts that I produced on Amazon and did like full producer stuff for them, um, then it would qualify me to be eligible to, to apply, to join, um, that's a long step there, but yeah. And then I think it's hours for television. I know it is for new media and I think it's also for television too. This is where we need like one of those live, like in, in in the moment researchers like Joe Rogan has right where it's like a Jamie like somebody who could just be typing and getting this exact answer for us as we speak but uh, yeah. but no that's 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 really good and so I have my own opinions but I'm wondering you know this audience we get messages from what's that I was wrong it's two features ah oh, two features yeah two features five shorts two long form television programs, um, 13 episodic. So like long form is probably like TV movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 13 episodic television programs, um, 100 episodes of non episodic programs. So like just talk shows, uh, and then new, new media, 75 short form episodes 
of 30 seconds or longer or three hours of content or two live events that are at least three hours long. Wow. And that's okay. So is that for just the writer's guild or is that writers and producers guild? That's the producer's guild. Like the writer's guild is still like the writer's guild is not really clear. Like I said, I am pretty sure you just have to have something produced by a signatory company. Yeah. I thought that was producer's guild. I just wasn't sure because of the way that, that the facts were being interjected. <laughs> right. I was like, well, wait, the what are we talking guild, about? Here? Though, is like, is an individual. So like yeah. you could have an individual that's in the producer's guild. Um, and I, like I had looked this up before. And so you, you don't have to be in the producer's guild to put PGA, um, on your name in the credits. Like you just have to do a significant amount of work. And in the same regard, even if you are a member of the producer's guild, but like all your only contribution is like, finding a location or doing something small that gets you like an associate producer credit or just giving money that gives you an executor producer's credit, you still can't use the PGA at the end. Like you obviously are still in the guild, um, but it doesn't count as being a producer's guild task like or, or gig, I guess, if you right. don't actually put the work in. That's exactly right. And that's why that was one of the things. It's so funny you bring this up because um, it's one of the reasons why Nick and I moved away from the uh, EP slash film consultant slash brand consultant titles and moved over into advisory uh, producer title. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was strictly because we were doing all sorts of work that a producer would do because we're not ivory tower. Like we don't just give money and walk away and, and say good luck. Right. We were doing all this work, but we realized like we weren't going to get producer credit on it. So, for example, Adult Interference, uh, our feature film that's coming out. Um, What's it called again? Adult Interference. <laughs> I know. I just listened to your interview with Ted. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. So you got it. Uh, it's it's coming out on the seventeenth, but you know you'll see that we're not listed as producers. But I can tell you that we did. We're a significant part of the team. We did a lot of work. And shout out to uh, producer Brian Adler for actually bringing that up to us. Like it was, it was kind of one of his comments to us in a conversation a long time ago, which is you guys should probably be listed as producers. But because we didn't sign our contract that way, there was no way to really do it unless we wanted to sort of rip that contract up and start again, mm-hmm. which would have already slowed down a movie that was going really slow. Right. Yeah. So we just, we just, a lot of times Nick and I will just view things as good lessons and water under the bridge. Um, I think we were listed as associate producers for all light will end, um, which is good. Uh, cause we actually did production work on that as well. Um, mm. and I don't think we're going to be listed as producers on, on our next feature that comes out in November, but we definitely did producer type work on that as well. And I don't think, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I think all those people would say, yeah, that's, that's probably true. So we shifted uh, our title to advisory producer so that we can sort of uh, make sure we write that, that wrong uh, from the past with future, with future work simply because there's, there's, you know, it's not that we would run out and say, let's join this guild, but it, but it gives us the option to do so. Right. Whereas the other game doesn't do it and just like you're doing the work for no reason outside of just maybe hoping to game uh, the movie. Well, outside of the money when, when it comes to the producing part, but also um, 
just trying to game the film so it's profitable, right? Right. Which 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 helps out um, for yeah. us as well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, so, and even just like credibility wise, like if you're like, yeah, I produced this, and like you're not in the credit, like everyone kind of has to take your word on it. And while those of us that know you know that that's true, like there's also because there's so many people that inflate what they say and who they are in the industry, like it's really hard to honestly talk about what you did if you're not credited and not sound like one of those people. Yeah, it's so true. And, um, this business is like full of those kind of people. I was having coffee today with Dicey Wildman. Uh, she's, uh, the founder, co-founder of the Defy Film Festival and is super Ooh. talented, uh, co-founder of, um, uh, Daisy Duke's films as well. And we were laughing about the fact that like people who are extremely charismatic, are, are really great to be around, but it also like introduces the chance that they might just be a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in the film business, like the more charismatic you are, this, the, the higher the chances that you are actually a nefarious individual. Yeah. And I was telling her like, I've got a little charisma, but I also mix it in with a great deal of awkwardness and nerdiness that I think, and I hope that kind of levels me out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the other thing that I find too, is that, like the telltale sign that you're dealing with a huckster is when they won't show the money, especially if it's a money transaction. And, and if, if they won't show the money, then, and, or if there's an argument every time money gets brought up or they, or they leave the room or change the subject, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and, and, and you want to look into that person a little deeper. Uh, my mm-hmm. rule of thumb is, is especially on the EP side, is show the money early and then negotiate hard. So I also find it really, I think you also want a good partner as an EP, uh, especially an independent film where you need as, as many hands on deck as possible. Mm-hmm. Not hands on dick, but hands on deck. Uh, I just want to make sure I enunciate that correctly for those listening. That would be bad. Um, <laughs> because... Um, like, like if your EP doesn't negotiate hard with you, then that's a, to me, that's a red flag, meaning they should try to like at least bump up their percentage beyond standard. Um, they should try to have some creative control. They should have some sort of clause that says if this cast member isn't cast, then, you know, they can be out or they get to be involved in who gets cast in their place or, they get a higher percentage of the back end or just something like that. Right. So you're saying um, like if an EP were to work with like me as a creative, like these are things that they should be uh, like, if they're having this conversation, like I want to come on board of your project, but like, this is what I want. This is who I want, et cetera. Like that's what should be happening. I think so. Right. I think if they don't do it, it's kind of a red flag. It could also just mean that they're so wealthy that they just want to diversify money and they don't care where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just so, Unlike people that have money, um, you know, usually people that didn't inherit money, but, but have it through some merit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to speak for people who inherit money. Maybe it's the same. I could be totally, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that. I just, I'm saying, I don't know about that, but yeah. people who get it through merit, I mean, they got there because they're very good at, uh, you know, negotiating. They're good at communicating. They're good at a lot of these. They're good at a lot of macro skills. Usually Um, it's not, I think 
and this is an aside, it's kind of a tangent, which is my specialty. But I, I think that it's not an issue of being this uber detailed person. And it's not like what the TV tells you. It's, it's really being good at a couple of really simple macros. Um, like you'd be surprised how valuable it is to just be a good writer, for example, in all walks of life, how powerful it is just to be a good communicator in all walks of life, like the ability to say something important in one sentence. Um, you know, the ability to take a chance is big. Like people who aren't afraid in, um, of taking a risk and losing just to get back up and try to win again, those people end up winning. Those are, you know, those aren't all the macros, but you know, some of it is just the, the energy to, uh, tirelessly work on something. Um, the ability to form partnerships, you know, they, you know, these things go much further than, you know, some little very special thing that someone knows how to do, you know? So right. anyway, that's an aside, but, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the EP game to me. Um, but you know, we get suckered in by charisma, right? Like, especially in indie film, because we need someone to believe in us just like any artist, and we get excited when people are excited about us. And so yeah. we're, we're very, very easy to trick. And we want to, like, we want to believe the lie in indie film, right? Like that's, that's part of it is like, we want to believe this is all going to work. I was actually, I was actually thinking about you the other day because there's this, um, there's this feature film called fast color. Have you heard of fast color? I'm not. Well, I was thinking about you because it's a movie, it's an independent movie that is about black female superheroes. <laughs> and it, it's all based on the the sort of absurdist kind of logic, which is, you know, a mother could lift a car if her child was under it. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are these are superheroes that are dealing with everyday shit. Well, anyway, the movie got picked up by... <laughs> The company's called Code Black, <laughs> which is which was the Black Film Division of Lionsgate. Okay, isn't that kind of too on the nose? Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. By a little bit, I mean a lot of it. Yeah, I don't know if I like it. Anyway, <laughs> Lionsgate severed ties with them in January, and just like that, they kind of lost their deal. But that's the that's really the the thing that happens in independent film. Like that is like. That's not necessarily the exception. And when some when when somebody paints a path for you that's a little bit too smooth, I think that's a bit of a red flag. Anyway, the, the fast color movie, by the way. It it's is gone, five ninety nine on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's gone through all kinds of shit to get on Amazon. Amazon actually was listening and paying attention to social media. This is what we talk about all the time, right? This idea that if you like, if you write a bunch of things, you were talking about doing like a basket of shorts earlier, right? Mm-hmm. If you do shorts, make sure that you do that. You pay close attention to your viewers and hopefully you're building like a mailing list or create a list on Twitter. People don't even know about the list function. A lot of times it's on, it's on your profile, but build a list of the people who are supporting you um, on Twitter 
you know, as you start doing more and more work and make sure that your work is great, because that is a really big negotiating card. And for this film, Fast Color, what happened is, is the movie was dead in the water, but they had such a big social media following just from the people who watched the film in the 25 theaters it was released in nationally. Mm -hmm. They demanded that that something happened with it and Amazon picked it up and it's going to make a, a TV show out of it. Well, nice. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So how, let me ask you this. Is that in your lane? Like, I know you're trying to do something similar. Is that in your lane with sort of you know, what you're writing currently? Uh, like the, just like theme wise, as far as fast color goes or. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, that's the idea that here's a different type of superhero. Uh, a bit like it that's definitely what what lesson super is is kind of taking not even so much a different type of superhero like the i more took superhero caricatures and then turned them into regular people that break stereotypes because i um in talking with a lot of people and again the good bad about being gone for a month and just being creative i now have five projects that i'm writing um mm-hmm. and so trying to find like a, a theme amongst all of them and i think all of them are or just kind of about either, either like underdogs or fish out of water, um, overcoming obstacles, which really like, if you look at any movie, um, to heart, it's pretty much what everything is. Um, but those characters in particular, um, the, the type of people either you don't normally see as heroes or people that you do normally see as heroes. Um, but there's something about them that, that breaks what your stereotype is of them and just makes you see people in a different way. Uh, it's kind of the the idea for that. So like the fast color thing sounds pretty interesting too in that regard, because yeah, it's that, um, and even when I was writing, um, like I've been kind of working on my story Bible slash treatment for less than super. And part of it's talking about how like a lot of kids will run around trying to be Superman, like with the cape on them or, or Batman or whatever. Um, whenever you're little kids and you pretend to be superheroes, but then there's also the people that are heroes that like the child that takes care of their younger sibling while their parents off or, um, somebody that makes dinner for your family, um, or anything that you do to, to help someone else when they're in need, like it's also another version of being a hero. And so I want to kind of combine those types of things that you don't necessarily need to have powers to do what you're doing. Um, but you can just want to be able to do good. And there are lots of things that you can do to be a hero. That's not really that, uh, but also they, they fight crime because, you know, that's fun. And that's what people like right now. Yeah. And this whole thing is sort of non-intuitive as well, because the stereotype and sort of the the brand of black women in America is that they're the strongest women in, in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're taking someone who everyone thinks is weak and then making them into something strong. Right. It's, more like, it's more like saying, what if we all found out that they actually are superheroes. Literally the, the strongest yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. This, that's, that, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's kind of taking just an, an idea and stereotype about people and, and restructuring it, which I think sounds fantastic. I will definitely check it out. Um, yeah. when it, when it rolls, um, like I said, it's on Amazon right now, according to IMDb. I mean the show, but I'll watch oh, the movie too. Yeah, yes. yeah. I'll watch the movie too. Of course. No question. about it. <laughs> um, yeah, still working on that one. Um, did you see? Did you see the Will Smith Matrix deep fake video this week? No. 
Okay. You could probably go to Hollywood Reporter and see it. You could go to, I know it was on Hype Beast and it was on, it was on like a bunch of different sites. It was like all over the internet and it's pretty crazy. And you know what a deep fake is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for those listening that, that have no clue what a deep fake is, it's just, it's, it's, it's a way to edit a video that um, is hyper realistic and I don't know. I think it's a, it's an omen for the future because I think we're only scratching the surface of deep fake right now. So in 20 years, um, it's, it's kind of deeply concerning, you know, our ability to, this is something Elon Musk talks about, which is in 20 years, our ability to tell the difference between reality and, um, non-reality will be very difficult. Because, you know, in 20 years, the video games will be photorealistic. They'll be virtual reality or augmented reality or both. The deep fakes, you you wouldn't be able to, the stuff that people will be able to do with the video. Like they put Paul Walker's face on a movie after he was dead, right? Like, yeah. Like, and it looked good, right? You could tell something was a little different, but it, it but that's like, yeah. brand new technology, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they like took like 20 years off of Robert Downey Jr. in uh, one in, of those. In the Venge- yeah. 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 Like, so I bring it up. Well, you could watch it. And I think Will Smith, didn't they do that in one, or, or they're going to do that in one of his movies? He's coming out with something and it's like a younger version of him and oh, yes, regular yes, him. Yes. I can't remember what it is. I just remember seeing it and being like, oh, that, yeah, it looks just like him when he was in Fresh Prince. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is kind of like using deep fakes for entertainment, which is kind of why I brought it up. Um, do watch it. It, it. You know, it's the weird yeah. thing about it is they couldn't take off Keanu Reeves' hair. So it's Will Smith with Kate Counter's hair the whole time. Oh, I, yeah, I see that now. And, and well, it came um, out two years ago. I was still in the process of driving across the country. <laughs> and, and you can't, and, and also, like, it's not Will Smith's body movement. So if you've been watching Will Smith, like, your whole life, like I have, like, you know that's Keanu Reeves' body movement, not his. But but outside of that, I mean, it is pretty freaking creepy. So what do you well, I think? I wonder if it's more because you're familiar with Will Smith's body movement and or that Keanu Reeves has such distinct body movement. Cause also like, if you've seen the matrix a lot, like, you know, that's how he moves. But for someone like I, honestly, I haven't watched the movie since 2000. So I'm going to watch it and see if I'm like, Oh yeah, that's Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah. I do recognize Keanu Reeves body movements. Also there's, there's something to it. I, I can't just, he has a very it. distinct posture. Yeah. His posture, just the way he moves his limbs. It's almost like they had a drink too. Like his his limbs had a drink before they moved, like just yeah. a shot of t- tequila. Um, <laughs> but but I bring it up because I wonder what your thoughts are on the future of film and how deep fakes might change entertainment. Uh, I think I think it's interesting uh, because it really it now means like there's nothing that we can't do. Uh, I was listening to an interview with the the guy that was a cinematographer for the live action Lion King. Um, and one, it's just fascinating that he's still, he's called cinematographer. Um, and they had people just with all the typical things that if you were really doing live action, he was saying that he had on like glasses basically. Um, and I, he didn't fully explain how it was, but I guess like the animators were, were doing things. And so he was still 
like calling the shots and like the lighting and stuff. And he said, one of the best parts about it is the fact that you can just put the sun wherever you want, um, as opposed to waiting like a particular time of day to be able to shoot. Um, wow. but like, yeah, even like being able to do stuff like that with the Lion King, which like, I haven't seen it yet, but, um, it, it was beautiful. Just, I liked yeah, the first like, one that's, better, that's what I've but heard. it like, it beautiful. looks, it looks really great. Um, yeah. And like the biggest complaint I heard from people is just that the the lines didn't have expressions, which if you're trying to make it as real as possible, they don't have them. Um, but the first one is very expressive, so I get it. Um, but yeah, like being able to do that, even just with the animals and like all the stuff, even that you can do with mocap, so like it doesn't look real. But it, it, it wasn't it wasn't real. the lion's expression, Sandrine. It wasn't the lion's <laughs> expression. That's not what made it not as good as the first one. What made it not as good as the first one is that they tried to satisfy every type of viewer in the movie. Therefore they satisfied, therefore they satisfied no one. So you got one lion that's a singing Beyonce. You got another animal that's, you know, like childish Gambino and you've got, you know, you've just got, you've got Seth Rogen and like, it's it on paper. It's like, that's going to be incredible. And by the way, I enjoyed the movie. It just wasn't as good as the first one because the first one, I guess had soul it felt like you were getting told a story. Mm-hmm. And this one felt like a pop song. It felt like a pop song. That's what it felt like. It felt like listening to a pop song where it's like, Oh, that's really good. I like that. But you would never go back to it once that summer passes or something, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, just being able to do that and doing, um, like all the stuff with mocap that they do now, um, and everything else. And it's a little disconcerting only because now I wonder, um, as far as job wise goes, like if you can put anybody in something and, and do whatever you want, then, um, will that affect like the number of actors you have on? Like if you could really have one actor that does a lot of voices, like why would you hire 10? Um, and or even just having particular people. I was reading an article today that um, Forever 21 um, tried to get Ariana, Ariana Grande to do um, some promo stuff from them. But like the what they were offering was like not enough. So they basically took like all of her music. They dressed a lookalike like her and um, pretty much tried to still do the ad campaign without her. Um, and so she's suing them for that. But I like you would that. be, I was like you could theoretically be able to do anything that you want like that. Like you don't want to pay for Robert Downey Jr. Fine. You'll still put his face in there. And I mean, like, I'm sure you're going to get sued for it. Um, well, but you know, that, so that thing's a little different. Now. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to track that case because it could have some huge ramifications for us uh, in the future. Um, I, I don't think forever 21 is going to lose. I don't, hmm. I don't. You can you can have a lookalike, you know. It's the same reason people always lose their case when they try to sue Weird Al Yankovic. Like it's not, you know, it's not going to work. It's not how, it's not how like copyright works. I don't yeah. think so. I, I'm unless they really used her face and tried to superimpose it. But if it's just a, somebody that looks like her, man, that girl's got a career too. Just because she yeah. looks like Ariana Grande doesn't mean she can't go and win in life. But it sounds like they like also used her music and dressed like her and had her do like very specific poses. Like I'm not on either if, one if, side. I would need to know a all, lot more. All that stuff is fine except for the music. If yeah. they took the if they took the music, they're screwed. 
But what's crazy is they didn't have to do the music. They could have right. just they could have just done everything else, and you know it would have been fine. But you're right. I, I think right yeah. now we're we're in the wild wild west. Like like what will privacy rights look like? It almost feels like the Constitution needs to be rewritten, and we're at an age where so many laws are antiquated and need to be rewritten because they just don't even fit the times. Like they don't even, they don't even make sense right. uh, for what's going to happen in the next, you know, 20 years, um, 10 years. Like, like how will we, how will we manage that? You know, how will we manage someone's rights, contracts, likenesses, likenesses isn't a word, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think it's a word. It could be. If it if it's not, I just made it up and it sounds good. We'll keep using it. But I was I was good with it. Yeah. You know, like so like what happens in this industry? Cause I was actually for years, for like 20 years, I've been saying to myself, if animated films continue to be this profitable, why would any studio make anything but an animated film? Like the 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 room for there to actually be a narrative feature film that doesn't have to do with superheroes or isn't animated is getting sl- smaller and smaller and smaller uh, from big studios. Now, yeah. because we have so many content aggregators, that's where we might win out, but that's a smaller market, right? But the big window doesn't want to pay for anything but a home run, especially with the budgets that are so in- unsustainable. Right, going through the roof, both in marketing and production. Yeah, well, and I think a part of that is just their fear of trying something, though. Because, like, if you look at even like the past five years, like, yeah, the movies that get funded, like from big, blo- or, like at the big blockbusters or superhero movies or the animated movies, but all the movies that win the awards are still the small, tiny indies. And yet, even though we have seen that year after year, like nobody wants to take a chance on any of those. Right. But but you have to look at it too. like Black Panther got nominated last year. It did. Right. Well, because it was a fantastic story. Like you take out all the superhero stuff and it's still an amazing movie. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it, it was it was good. It was good. I don't know if it there's was. no real action until like act three. Well, I mean, like, like there, like there's fights, there fights in between in the, in the museum. He, he does, and then there's that fight in the bar. But still, like, um, and I paid very close attention to this because I, when I've had people read less than super, like a lot of the feedback is, um, there's not really any superhero stuff that happens until like page twenty ish. Like, there's a lot of talking at the beginning, and then it just kind of gets slow into the action. Um, and they're like, you're doing a superhero thing. You've got to like punch people in the first five minutes. I'm like, do you really? And then Black Panther came out and I'm like, look, look at this one. It's all about like his family and heart and stuff at the beginning and trying to get into it. And I'm like, well, you, you could have a beat of action, right? Like, you, like right. you doesn't need to be, but, but to have beats of action that move your story forward, you know, sometimes people give That's you feedback on your was, work yeah. and, and they don't have the right words. So then you get confused. You see what I mean? Well, it's uh, a lot of times people will give you feedback and it, their feedback is, well, I would have done it this way. And I'm like, okay, you can write well, your thing. Well, that's not good but feedback. For, no. And, and right. And that's my pushback to them is because their feedback wasn't necessarily, this would make it better. It's a, 
oh, I would have done it this way, or you tell me this, and so this is what I'm expecting because this is what everyone else has done. I'm like, well, I don't want to do what everyone else has done. Like, if that's what I wanted, I would just tell you to go watch this instead of watch my thing because I don't like to promote myself. Um, so, I, like, I need to do something different to justify why I'm doing it at all. Um, so being able to – so it because I had just, like – in the past, like two or three months before Black Panther came out, like received that type of feedback from people. And so then being able to watch this and being like, yeah, there's like tiny little spots of, of action within it. But like the main stuff doesn't really happen until like the big fight at the end. Um, and yet it's still a great movie because you are captivated by the story and you don't really think about, Oh, Hey, I'm watching a superhero who's hardly ever in costume. Right. I, I guess, I guess my, that's a fair point. But I guess what I'm saying is, is, is as less and less studios make less and less of the profits, then the whole industry becomes very consolidated. And then absolute power, as we know, corrupts absolutely. Right. And how long before the money machine at Disney, for example, manipulates the human beings that make the decisions around film of the year and we start to see that slowly happen slowly happen slowly happen because there's just less and less so with you know M&A mergers and acquisitions you just have less and less so eventually you know as long as there's you know the, the, the flip side of that is as long as there are human beings judging it then I think we're in good shape uh, what yeah. I'm curious about is is you know it will get to a point where, to your point earlier, will it get to a point where human beings are judging the best film made by robots and software? Um, yeah. Is- well, and like in regard to the deep fake stuff, like right now our only like way of protecting ourselves is the fact that computers can detect that. But the same people that make deep fake can also program computers so that it can just not be detectable at all. So, and we have people that are still posting about Facebook's going to steal all my photos unless I retweet this. So if they can get caught in all of that, like they're definitely going to fall for anything that you show on that side. So like from an entertainment side, yeah, there's, there's a concern about fewer and fewer people getting work because there's already that issue happening. Um, but then there's the whole other side of it with the political ramifications and et cetera, that we're not going to go in on here because it's an entertainment podcast, but it's very scary. Yeah, I think it, I think so. I think there's someone that mentioned having to fight for the right to their own likeness with Facebook, which is crazy to me because basically in the, in the user agreement, I think you agree to give away your likeness to them maybe or something along those lines, or they can use your likeness however they want. Um, That's just, yeah. Anyway, that's another podcast. Maybe that's a conversation over some cocktails with me and you or coffee or whatever. Um, Cause that's, that's, that's wild. Okay. So um, you've been so cool. So awesome. Co-hosting this, stepping in for Nick and doing it with such grace and style. Um, we have um, this saying, you know, be better, be creative, be engaged. That's, that's our, our tagline. Um, is there anyone out there, anything out there, anything you have seen recently that you would say fits the mantra of 
in independent film of being better, being creative, being engaged. Do you want to shout out anybody? Shout out any project? What's inspired mm-hmm. you lately? Well, inspirationally, um, I finally watched when they see us and that moved me for like a week. Um, and I'm still processing. What did you um, watch? When, uh, when they see us, the, oh, when they see us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for so many, for so many things, but those, um, the performances in particular in that moved me a lot. Um, for people to be able to take the likeness of someone else going again, going to likeness, but this time it was approved. Um, and, and be able to see that and just kind of, uh, and then Oprah did a, a thing afterwards. Anyone that's seen it has probably seen the thing from Oprah too on Netflix, um, where she interviews the, the people that were involved, but then also interviews the, the five guys who actually were convicted. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it always just kind of in, inspires me to be able to see real life people and their stories. Um, I don't know. And lately, like as I've been listening to podcasts and or anything else, people talking about things that they've done that have moved other people, like I just start crying. Um, and it's really weird because I'm usually not that emotional. Um, but I think just the the idea of being able to do something and it affecting someone else's life in a positive way. Um, so that's not really a specific, I guess because I kind of went off on a tangent of that. But when they see us, it was just amazing from so many places. Um, so that moved me quite a bit. I don't know. Otherwise, I've just been kind of inspired by people. Um, I have a friend, Jesse Gallegos, who's a, an Atlanta actor. And he and his friends have a, a – they get together every Monday, and they watch, like, one-minute films that they made throughout the week. And it's kind of like – uh, a challenge that they do each time. So like they roll these dice That's and they really have cool. different criteria for it. And so they've got to make a movie that fits within this criteria and it's got to be no longer than one minute. And so like every week they watch it and then they get a new challenge. Uh, and so it's been just really inspiring, like seeing him and, and all of his friends just get out and like create stuff all the time. And like, he's a working actor. And so if he's not doing that, then it's because he's on set doing other stuff. And um, just over like the last several months in particular, um, like the amount of work that he's been doing and the work just everyone down there has been doing, like it's been enriching to all of them, um, because they're, they're all either shooting or, or acting or doing both. Like he acts, produces and, and kind of does all the sides of the camera and many of his other friends down there do that too. And so it's been just a very invigorating thing for them because it renews their love for the craft. And so then they're more likely to go out and audition more or, or shoot more of other stuff that they get paid for. Um, and so that type of energy has been just really great. Um, yeah, I think that's an awesome idea. like to shoot one minute films, almost like how we do in writers groups where we'll bring what we wrote and then we'll share Mm -hmm. with everyone and get the critique and then someone else reads instead do a filmmaker's version of that, where you shoot a one minute film once a week and then you show it and get, get some feedback. Um, yeah, my, I love those types of things. Like everyone just did the 48 recently and like, I was unfortunately out of town for it, but even just seeing so mm-hmm. many people being really excited about it and people who act for a living, like they were still just excited about getting together with friends and making movies. And like, that's really what it's all about. It's just us getting together and making stuff. And the more we make, the bigger we all become. And then, the one person gets there and brings the rest with them, like eventually is kind of the goal. But even if that doesn't happen, just being able to create and do stuff like that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Shout out to 
Jennifer Bonnier in the 48 hour film festival here in Nashville, where I'm at, um, my be better, be creative, be engaged award for right now goes to a filmmaker named Amanda Young. Oh, I love her. Yeah. She directed, she's a director and a producer. Actually, she did love Gwen. She produced a short film called Lemons. I was inspired by both. I have thoughts and feelings on both, of course. Yeah. Um, but she actually it, helped produce Wendigo for me um, mm-hmm. from afar because she wasn't in town. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, just but just in general, just being able to really understand and view her talent just from an aesthetic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's just doing really good work. And I think it's probably a matter of time before she gets kind of the right thing that really punches Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's very authentic. My other award goes to a film I saw at the Defy Film Festival a couple of weekends ago named Fetish. And, um, mm. you just, you just won't, you just won't see anything like this movie. So, uh, I think it'll end up on Vimeo or somewhere, hopefully Amazon soon. It's yeah, was that locally it, done? Cause I, so I saw someone post about it. It wasn't locally done, but I mean, it oh. made, it made everything else. It wasn't fair. I felt, I felt bad <laughs> for everyone else that had to go on stage to, and do the Q and a after the horror block, after that particular block at the f- festival, because no one was interested in anything, but this, this movie was so much better than, and it was 20 minutes. So, so you imagine you're, these are all short films for the most part. Right. Well, they're all shorts, not for the most part. They're all shorts. Yeah. And this is a long short and we are just there and you will never see a movie like this. You will never see an ending like this. It was done by David Lee Hess. Oh yeah. I just uh, looked him up. Richard Perry. And and Richard H. Perry. Yeah. Uh, David Lee was there and uh, he was a sweetest guy, nice guy, humble. He's a great actor. He's, he leads in the thing. And, uh, and he wrote the thing and um, kudos to you, David Lee props to you and your film fetish. Anyone that's a fan of horror will love this. And um, it's wicked, funny, wicked, funny. And it is also uh, just fucking terrifying at, at, at points. So those are, those are my award winners. Sandrine, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and on the internet. Uh, on the internet, I am at, quote, I am Sandrine, unquote, um, for almost everything. I know that's my website, so I am Sandrine.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, I think that's all of them. I think I, I think that's my handle on the mall. I try to keep it consistent. Um, that's one of the few things I've learned about doing social media stuff is being consistent, at least in your handles, maybe not that's so much a, in posting, but that's a whole other conversation we have to have <laughs> on one of these indie talks when I have you back because uh, just I think I think for what Nick and I do around branded and marketing, I think people try to simplify it and say, oh, just throw money at social media. That's not it. We can go into that. Maybe me and Nick will go into that next week on the next indie talk. Um, just so yes, everybody that's knows, the thing that I need to hear. I don't know if I'm like qualified to talk about it, but it's definitely one I would need to hear. All right, we got so we got your back then. Um, Excellent. So, so people know it's I A M S A N D R E N E, correct? E, correct. Yes. All right. So I am Sandrine. All right. Very very good. You know you can find us at underscore bonsai creative on Twitter, 
and on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, but just by searching for Bonsai Creative. Also, we have a feature film coming out on VOD wide release and ready for pre-order now on iTunes, Target, Walmart, and Amazon.com. It's called Adult Interference. It stars Ted Welch, Mike Vogel, Christine Woods, George Barron, and Kate Upton, just to name a few. Many people that have been on this podcast or in the movie, for example, the wonderful actor Chris Green, Joe Mullen, and Rashid Stevens. So with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you, Sandrine, so much for your time. This has been so fun. Talk to you soon. Yes. All right, let's do it. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.